0: The only conversation is equality of involvement. Yes. And both of us being at the table. Yes. And having the conversations to know what is happening, why is it happening, where's the money, how much do we have, what are our goals in the future.
1: Welcome to the Rad Money Podcast. I'm Dylan Pollack.
0: And I'm Rebecca Brooks. And And we're we're Rad Coaches. coaches.
1: And we help purpose-driven people eliminate financial stress and maximize their income so they can focus on the more important things in life, like spending more time with their friends and family, giving generously, and living a life full of purpose.
0: Because the world needs more good, wealthy people. Welcome to today's episode of the Rad Money Podcast. Today, we are talking about financial equality in relationships. And this is such an interesting topic, essentially what we mean by financial equality, specifically in married couples. That's where we're really going to focus today. Yep. The idea that we need to split expenses 50-50 or that we need to have like this equal contribution financially to the relationship. And we're just exploring this idea today and what we see as financial coaches and then our perspective as as a couple, as financial coaches. And what we think is maybe the healthier way to look at how to come to a relationship together and manage your money together.
1: One of the main reasons we came up with the idea of doing this episode was a headline that we saw recently about this woman who was presenting a problem. Her husband is a doctor, she was a school teacher. And so they're bringing in two different incomes, but she wanted to contribute equally to the relationship with her finances. So she was struggling with the fact that. They live a higher quality of life due to the fact that her husband is a doctor, yet she's bringing in the income of a teacher. And so this isn't just an outlier. This is not just a a random thought that just one person has. Every time we talk to couples, when we work with couples, the same concept comes up. Everybody has a varying degree on this, but we all have this idea of like what is fair in the relationship with money. So with that being said too, like, I think Rebecca might have just said this, but I want to reiterate it is that this is through the lens of like married couples. If you are dating, keeping it 50 50, splitting the check, you know, not combining finances is actually very important.
0: You don't have to necessarily have to go Dutch. You don't have to split the check, but you don't want to have shared bank accounts. Yeah. You don't need to pool your resources yet. That gets really messy outside of marriage. So that's why we're saying. We're going to mostly talk to married couples in this conversation.
1: But I think even if you're in a relationship, you'll find this interesting regardless. And if you're, you know, anybody who's wants to be in a relationship in the future too, if you're single, this is just food for thought to think about as you're going into the, or a relationship. You're going to have financial conversations and you want to start building that out and what that looks like for your life.
0: Yeah. I mean, regardless of if you are single, dating, engaged, or married, This is going to be, I think, a really interesting episode. It's a conversation starter at a minimum, but it's definitely couples goals, in my opinion, in terms of like, what are you striving for 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 a healthy relationship with your finances and with your significant other? I think that that's kind of where this conversation really lives is what, what are we striving for and how can we not have the friction in the relationship like this teacher and this doctor have because they've bought into this belief that you need to show up to the relationship 50-50 when it comes to how much you contribute financially. And those are just such myths that we really want to use our platform to break down, really, because we feel like they're so unhealthy and not helpful to a thriving relationship.
1: Yeah. So why don't we just start with why people find this really interesting and why they find themselves in this Till death do we part, let's split the check 50-50.
0: Oh, yeah. Till death do we split the check.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Till death do we split the check is the essence of what this conversation is about, is that belief that we need to be showing up to the relationship, splitting everything 50-50, regardless of how much income we make, which is just so impractical, right? Right. That example of, oh, I want to show up to the relationship 50-50 financially, but he's a doctor, I'm a teacher. The math just doesn't work there. The incomes are never going to be on the same level. And so it's already flawed. That train of thought is just already flawed.
1: Yeah, I mean, it because both incomes are so radically different, it's just not fair to the relationship at all, which is really f- funny because I think people split the check 50-50 because they believe that is what's fair. So that's one of the first things I think of is people, they want to they want to be fair in the relationship, and that's one of the one reasons that you know we have our rent, we have our mortgage, we got all of our bills, and we're going to split them straight down the middle, and because that's what's fair, right?
0: Yeah, totally.
1: But what's even deeper than what's fair is the fear that this is all based in.
0: Oh my gosh, a hundred percent! Like you, you just—I mean—nailed it. Absolutely. That the two biggest things are the concerns about what's fair, because that is like how we are trying to be thoughtful and compassionate and all these sorts of things. But then really deep down, it's a self-preservation. It's a fear of all of the horror stories that we've heard throughout our whole lives about the mistreatment of funds within marriages of people being irresponsible. We can't Mm -hmm. trust each other. We have all of these issues. We want to maintain independence because of what? Fear. It's all very, very shrouded in fear, this whole financial equality thing and self-preservation. And I think that that's such a profound thing to really dig into with this conversation for why people think that it's a good idea is because it's fair and because, quite honestly, they're just scared.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, there's, and, and rightfully so. Oh, yeah. Because there there are all sorts of reasons that people have been screwed financially in their relationship. You know, whether someone is totally exiled from the bank accounts and, you know, they're just like, you you get your allowance and that's it. That's that's pretty awful. Oh,
0: financial abuse. Yeah. Financial abuse. I mean, especially women, right? Mm-hmm. We I think it's a big reason why women really feel as though they do need to earn as much and bring the same amount to the relationships and et cetera is because there's a really bad history of being abused financially.
1: Yes. And that's awful. And that's, that's a a reason to be concerned. Another thing is what, what happens if this whole thing blows up and there's, there's no more relationship in the future? Well, it's a lot easier to walk away having two separate everythings. You know, if we've been splitting everything down the middle and I got my bank account, you got yours. It looks, it feels a lot cleaner, but uh, talk to the lawyers, it's not, it isn't that clean.
0: There is a false sense of protection yeah. there for sure, if you're married. Yeah, exactly. If you're, if you're married and state's laws are uh, vary and things like that. But yeah, for the most case, it is a false sense of a division of yours and mine. Like, no, baby, you go to court, it's all thrown in the same bucket, and then, and then, and they then they we play and split And then seas. the lawyers
1: play split seats, exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, those are, those are some really big, deep reasons why we work, we see this happening all the time is that deep down inside, there's some sort of concern why we're afraid of committing to figuring out how to do this more than just a plain 50-50 and keeping independence. And I think, you know, you brought up the word independence earlier. You can find ways to create independence within the relationship. You can still be your own person. Even with your money, you can still have your own money that you get to use But it's just this whole independence idea that we need to be totally independent people and come into the relationship and I should be able to be my own pillar and you're your own pillar. And I've been trying to be not uh, opinionated here, but I do think that is some flawed thinking.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I think that really it's independence, but it's also just a form of self-preservation. Kind Mm -hmm. of what we're saying with this fear Mm -hmm. is this self-preservation. If we both focus on, earning a certain level and contributing a certain level and then still keeping finances divided, then it's just easier to walk, like yeah. you said. And it's still like to a, to an extent, that's a false sense of that. Uh-huh. But it all boils down to self-preservation and that's all based in fear. And I agree with you that I think that, you know, what we're really encouraging people to think about is how to break through that uh-huh. and to work on the relationship so that you can get to the point where that fear is no longer there and that you've worked together to build trust. But how do you do it is really the biggest question.
1: Right. You got to find the common ground and you have to build trust because if you're building a life together, it's o- it's almost like you have one foot out the door if you keep your finances separated it's like you got your your escape parachute ready to deploy whenever you're you're done with this ride that you're on
0: well and why we feel like that's such a big problem outside of the obvious of planning for your exit while you're still in the relationship that's some negative thinking, yeah. right? And, and that's not really healthy. But what I think is also very interesting and worth tapping into is if you feel as though you have to have this life preserver, so to speak, and you have to have this protection, then that's saying that, well, on some level, yeah, you don't trust this person. Mm-hmm. That's a red flag.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: Look at that. Why don't you trust that person? And either it's something that you can grow in your trust, you can grow in how much you trust a person, or you can't. But you need, to, you need to also listen to your intuition, listen to your gut and to explore it. Don't write that person off necessarily because a lot of it might even just be your own personal experiences.
1: Right, we got our own our past stories with money and our own history and it just, you know, you might've come out of a bad relationship with money and you're just bringing that old story into a healthier relationship. And maybe if you can work through that, it's gonna get a lot better.
0: Yeah, or like your parents, how is that modeled for you, right? Uh-huh. Like I have a client, for instance, She's really working on her money mindset as she goes into a new relationship with someone because her father was actually incredibly financially abusive to her mother. And so she's got this story that makes her independence so important to her on this complete other level that a lot of people don't really realize. But you probably have it on some level. And so you have to be able to identify those things. What's just you and your baggage? What's actually this person? And what can be worked on and improved? But if you can't trust that person, that's a red flag. And you need to look into that because there are just some things can be remedied and some things can't. Yeah. Right. And like if someone has a bad credit score, okay, that's not a red flag like that can be improved. But if they're just not a trustworthy person, period, end of sentence, then that's a giant red flag. Mm -hmm. So speaking of red flags, another red flag in this realm in particular is being with someone who's just grossly irresponsible with their money right like that's a huge one that where they can really get in the way of coming to a level of financial interdependence which is what we feel is the healthiest approach yeah as opposed to financial equality or independence we like interdependence and we can kind of explain what that is a little bit later but if you feel like this person is just like recklessly irresponsible with their finances and they have no interest in remedying it Again, that's a really big red flag, and that's a really good reason. I was about
1: to say, I I wouldn't want to give them $10. Like, can can you go get milk? (laughs) It's like they come back with, you know, nothing. (laughs) The money's already spent to to their, like, however they want. So that's not good either. Totally. And a very good reason maybe not to be combining finances with them, because if you put money into the checking account, it go bye-bye.
0: But again, but we're talking also to married couples, right? Uh And so if you're already in that relationship where maybe the trust isn't there, maybe the uh, financial responsibility isn't there, those things can be worked on. Those things can be improved with most people, right? Right. If they can't be, then I'm sorry, but you're in something that's probably pretty toxic and you need to know about that and take steps accordingly. Yeah. But... It can be totally worked on and people can learn and we can bring them into the conversation. We can start these conversations within the relationship to work towards that financial interdependence. Because when you don't and you just kind of write people off based off of how much they can financially contribute and things like that, you're essentially putting the finances above the relationship.
1: Yeah, which is really unhealthy. I mean to, to to basically boil someone down to their income and their financial contributions to the relationship because there's so much that we do in our relationship and that everyone does in their relationship that just has no financial. There's nothing financial about it. Like, sure, you could put a number to it potentially. Like, oh, I did the dishes. Like, if a maid did that, that's gonna that would cost us to how many dollars an hour, or whatever. But there's just so much in the relationship that both of us contribute. That has no financial value at all, but it has extreme emotional value, extreme relationship value, extreme value in so many other ways.
0: Yeah, to boil somebody down to just their earning potential or how much they financially contribute to the relationship is just really, it's just a slippery slope. Yeah. And it's really sad because I think when you start to look at relationships in that way, which just is a growing trend in the dating world and in marriages, et cetera, that a lot of people are really doing that. And maybe, it, but maybe it's been around forever. I mean, going back to dowries and things like that, it's a financial, you know, business.
1: Yeah, sure, yeah. That, you
0: know, business, it's a business transaction. Right, For you know? yeah, sure.
1: How much land am I getting out of this yeah. marriage? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> but, you know, I ideally, you know, if we're buying into this whole, marry for love thing nonsense. Yeah, gosh, who does that? then, then, Then we need to do so in a healthy way because it's not the society that we are anymore. It's not a business transaction anymore. And so we need to stop reducing each other down to what we contribute financially to the relationship because it puts a wall up that really gets in the way of your growth together as a couple, not only your net worth but just the experiences that you get to share together
1: yeah i mean there's just no way to to expect that both of us are going to go out into the workforce and i'm going to bring in the exact dollar amount as you and that we can just split it all 50 50 we'd
0: have to do the same jobs you know equal work equal pay yeah totally but i don't want to do that right i'm not i want to do something else right 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 different callings well not you and me
1: but to a certain extent, even within even within the business here, we both are doing different things. We're oh, totally. bringing different value to the business. It's not as if I'm doing the same work; that'd be pointless. But anyways, that's beside the point. But I do think, like talking about our personal relationship, financial equality, people struggle with this sort of thing. I I want to bring it back to like ten years ago when we first met and we started dating. We got engaged and got married right at that very beginning stage.
0: So first first couple years, yeah,
1: first couple years. Rebecca made more money than me, and we're not talking like you know few thousand dollars, a significant more than me. So we were in this relationship where me as the guy who traditionally is the breadwinner, I wasn't. And so like there was, I want to explore the idea of, you know, people who are in relationships for a little bit, if, if that's all right with you, is like mm-hmm. talking about it from like both angles, like the woman makes more than the man or the man makes more than the woman. Yeah. For
0: a moment. Oh gosh. I mean, I, I love this topic because I think that a lot of women lie to themselves I've taken a couple polls about this, actually, about how they feel as the primary breadwinner. And in public, they're like, oh, no, it's like, it's fine. It's amazing. It's great. But one on one, there are some serious insecurities there and worrying about how it affects the relationship because of societal norms, whether you like them or not. Right, you know whether you believe that the man should be the breadwinner or not doesn't really matter as much as like what it feel actually feels like for you, and the fact of the matter is it can be really challenging. You feel like you have to be really thoughtful to, yeah, not emasculate your husband or bring it up or even make it a thing. It has its own uniqueness to it. Sure, that people try to, I think sleep under the rug.
1: Yeah. They act like it's not a big deal. And there's things that are just ingrained in us from years or tradition, whether you feel like they're good or bad, this is beside the point, you know, mm-hmm. but it's really just the fact that, you know, I was in, I was making less than Rebecca and you can come into a relationship and not be equals financially and still have a meaningful, great relationship is really my point here.
0: We never boiled it down to contributing equally. It was just, you weren't as career-driven mm-hmm. at that point in time in your life. Exactly. And I was. And why was that? Well, I came from a very financially insecure life. And so my whole goal was building financial stability into my life. So that made me very, very career-driven. But I didn't put that on you. I didn't say like, okay, now go go provide for me. Go make me feel safe. You know, like it was just me. And you just were in a different place in your life. And we just honored that about each other.
1: We did. And and it's not as if what I was bringing in couldn't take care of us either. It was just that you were bringing in a significant amount more than me. So yeah. it was just, it was, you know, on a surface level, it just, it is what it is. You made more money than I did. And that, as a guy, can feel tough. And But you don't have to let it when you think about the relationship as a whole. It's like, how are you showing up to the relationship? What do you do and contribute to each other because if we just talked about the money all the time, if that was the, the only goal and the value that I was supposed to bring in, it would it would ruin the relationship and we wouldn't be here today.
0: I think it's really sad. Mm-hmm. And so there's just all of these different dynamics where we just need to honor each other together and just really really come together for this interdependent relationship yeah. that doesn't slap any roles on it at all. Because we're all on our own journeys, regardless of gender or age or whatever. And so we need to just be able to communicate and find what works for us as a couple. Yep. And to make sure that it's not getting just entirely reduced down to dollars and cents. Because that's not why I'm in a relationship. I'm not in a relationship for money. I mean, obviously, you made less than I did. But it was. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I love that we can laugh about it. You know, yeah. like so many people can't. And it threw a lot of people. It started, sure. It, I mean, people like questioned our changes in quote unquote gender roles all the time. And we're just like, what? It, like it worked for us yeah, and, totally. and it does work for us.
1: Well, you have to, you know what you can boil it down to? Are your needs provided for? Yeah. Check. Do you get to go have some fun? Check. Yeah. Do you get to save and invest for your future? Check. Okay. Th- that's pretty much all it is, right? Can you give a little bit to other people? Check. All right. Do I, do I need to make more? than my wife if all those things are taken care of
0: you're just focusing on the wrong things at that yeah, point
1: exactly you're just focusing on the wrong exactly things. so let's put the shoe on the other foot and the man's making more money than the woman yeah and so of course it's only from my standpoint right as a guy with me
0: as his wife though yeah. <laughs> so i'd be surprised if you don't have thoughts because lord knows i have more than enough for the both of us
1: yeah so I mean, just from my own personal standpoint, it makes sense why this woman who was like, I'm a teacher, he's a doctor, I want to contribute 50-50. Again, it goes back to wanting to be fair, right?
0: Yeah, and it feels good, right? It feels good to be able to hold your own. It feels good to be able to provide for yourself. Like I said, for me, it was very deep-seated, and I it took a lot of work for me to figure out that the reason I was so career-driven was because there wasn't a lot of stability in my life growing up, and so I was my own stability, and that- like I said, to go hyper-masculine, if you, you know have that knowledge of masculine feminine energies, I was very much in my masculine energy in that time of my life, most of my 20s. And it's not that anything's wrong with that, but it's just that that's what it was. And so it felt good to provide for myself is my point. And I think a lot of women can relate to that and for whatever reason that they have. Um, it just feels good to contribute and to be able to pull your own weight. The thing is, is when we just focus too much on that, and not on what's happening as a whole in the relationship and focus on the fact that, like you said earlier, there are so many ways to contribute to the relationship yeah. outside of the financial contribution.
1: And I and I don't want people to think that we're gonna just reduce this down to like the stupid stereotypes because they're stupid. It's so much more than those like little basic things. You we're know? not
0: making any recommendations at all about how you split your labor in your house, your income, et cetera. We're just saying don't reduce each other down to just your income. That's I did, literally all we're saying.
1: I did all the dishes before we started this podcast.
0: But again, yeah, doing dishes is not a woman's job because men eat too. So yeah, we're just there's just no gender role conversation at all really here. We're just saying that like don't look at each other As needing to come at it 50-50. Because what happens when you do focus just on the financial contributions, like I was saying, you reduce somebody down to a paycheck, which Mm -hmm. man or woman, that's heartbreaking. That is just terribly sad um, for someone to be seen just as like that's all they do or for someone to feel like that's enough. Because that's another side of it where if you're the primary earner in the relationship, then it's very easy to not do any of the other things because you you did your job. Right. That, I mean, I feel like I kind of did that. When I was in my highest earning phase, I was just like, I didn't have anything left. I was burning myself out and I didn't have anything left. And so to me, I was just like, well, I earned an income. So...
1: And that is terrible, right? Is that you? Then it's I am the person who brings in all the money, and then you're t- you ha- you're responsible for everything else. It's a
0: really heavy burden to put on anybody.
1: Both burdens are heavy. Actually, they're both actually awful burdens to have. Yeah, I'm I have to bring in all the money, and I have to work super hard and spend all my time and effort there. So then you know what that means? I'm not showing up to the relationship and loving my wife, being present for her, spending quality time with her
0: well uh, and like like what i was saying um for me when i reduced myself down to my earning ability mm -hmm. i stopped doing the other things for myself and i burned myself out and i stopped taking care of myself and that's how i got into burnout and depression and dealing with severe anxiety that I didn't even realize I had until I looked back and I was like, whoa, that was a mess. But I did it to myself because I wasn't taking care of the other parts of my life and nurturing them. I was not investing and in pouring into myself. I was just about my job. And I did that to myself. It was no outside pressure. And well, other than a jerk boss, that was the outside pressure. <laughs> but 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 so it, it just becomes this really unhealthy thing when we just look at anybody as like this one contributor and or they view themselves as that. And so we just need to be really thoughtful of viewing people as a whole person. Exactly. Because what can happen is not only with that boiling them down to that being empty and, and sad, but there's a lot of bitterness in that. There's a lot of space for resentment uh one way or the other. Um, we've already talked about how relationships that don't work together financially, they don't have this interdependent, um, relationship that they have a lower net worth. Yeah. We've talked about that. And then of course the financial abuse.
1: Yeah. Well, and you just reminded me of a a really good point is that when you start to do things based off of like, I'm the breadwinner or when it needs to be 50, 50, it starts to become a tit for tat sort of thing.
0: Scorecards.
1: How emotionally... Exhausting is it to keep a tabs. scorecard and to tabs on your partner? It's like, okay, I paid for dinner last week. Now you have to get next week's dinner. W- what you need to really boil this down to is: Are your needs met? Are you saving and investing into your future? Are you taking care of each other in the relationship? Are you having some fun? Like, if those yeah. things are done, then that that's all that really matters. But then we're if we go back and forth, and I've got all these brownie points I'm, that I'm going to cash in tonight. <laughs> you're wrong
0: <laughs> you're devastated um, yeah I, I I, could oh my god scorecards and keeping tabs on each other there's a, there's obvious, an obvious financial component to that and we see that a lot in how, money spent and money earned and mm-hmm. then down to the tasks in the household and how they're divvied up and you know hey I did this last but I did that but I did this but I did that but I did this so just do it like who doesn't have their hands full right now do yeah. it it's just that simple. And again, like, I mean, we're getting really into like the relationship side of it, but it does all matter because if the relationship isn't going well, that does impact how well your finances are going to go too and vice versa. Like It's just such a it's such a connected relationship between the two things yes. that you have to understand how they work together.
1: It's 100% why we started this financial journey in the first place. We realized that, okay, we're getting married. Well, we have a bunch of debt. Money could be a huge problem in our life if it gets out of control or it's this dark, scary monster in the corner of the room each and every day. Or we could address it and figure out a way to get rid of it. And money could be one of these things that we never fight about because our relationship's going to be tough. There's going to be moments that are going to try us. But you know, there's one thing that we won't let happen. Money getting in the way of this relationship.
0: Yeah, that was really that was really the biggest thing was just life is going to throw a lot of things at us some good, some bad. And so we can start to work together to make this a Mm non-issue as much as humanly possible. And we took it, we played it from every angle that we possibly could. And we had every hard conversation and we paid off every debt and we did all the hard stuff because we knew that it was going to be worth it because one day life's going to throw stuff at us that's just ugly and it comes at everybody. Sickness, death, grief, it's going to happen. And so when you make this a non-issue and you heal this part of the relationship, when those things happen, you don't have to think about the money. Exactly. Somebody gets hurt. I don't I don't care about deductibles. I don't care about cash or debt or like any of this. Who cares? Somebody's hurt. I can focus on that.
1: Yeah. I was actually going to bring up uh, an example exactly like that. So that's, I mean, that's one of the best ways to think about money not getting in the way of the relationship.
0: Yeah. yeah. It, and, and, you know, so- That brings us really well into, like, um, I think how to really show up and having this equal involvement. That's really the only equality that has any space here is the equal involvement. Because, you know, you hear stories every day about usually wives who were not taking their seat at the table or maybe weren't allowed to, quote unquote, allowed. Uh They weren't given the space to sit down at the table and to talk about their finances with their spouse. And then their spouse dies and they're completely in the dark. And you know what? They don't get to just grieve the loss of their spouse. They have to click into survival mode Mm -hmm. because they don't know what's happening with the finances. They don't know what's happening with the estate. How much debt are we in? How much money do we have? I don't know. They don't get to just grieve the loss of their spouse or even, God forbid, just a divorce when all you're worried about is... How are you gonna split the asset? You just broke up with like the love of your life. Like
1: Well, maybe not the love you of your can't... life at that point. Well,
0: at, at some point they were.
1: Yeah. The love of your <laughs> life.
0: At some point they were. And you just you don't get the chance to grieve that relationship because you're just so focused on the money. Yeah. And it just to me, that's just so sad and like almost teary-eyed thinking about it. But that's the only space where financial equality. The only conversation is equality of involvement. Yes. And both of us being at the table. Yes. And having the conversations to know what is happening, why is it happening, where's the money, how much do we have, what are our goals in the future?
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, make sure you you involve the conversation of where are we going together. Mm -hmm. That's so important. And so how do we move away from all the things that we just talked about and start to build a healthy form of financial equality where we're not doing a tit for tat keeping tabs on each other, splitting the check 50-50, but showing up in a way that is considered equal, but also benefits the relationship and doesn't hinder it.
0: Yeah, there's just there's a negative version of financial equality, which is the whole 50-50 and splitting it. But then there's what I propose is the new version of financial equality in the relationship. And that's just the equality of planning a quality of involvement and that participation so that as a couple, you can reach your goals.
1: So instead of coming to the relationship at 50%, we're you know splitting things 50-50, show up to the relationship at 100%. Give 100% to the relationship.
0: Both of you, yeah.
1: Yeah, because I think that if you want to have a great relationship and you want your finances to be excellent, it's about sharing, not taking from the other person. It's about giving 100% to the other person with your finances and knowing that everything that's in my wallet Rebecca can take and everything that's in Rebecca's purse I can take
0: yeah and i think that it is so freeing there are so many examples of that of how we really live this out of just it doesn't matter your money's mine and my money's yours and all of it's ours it just it just doesn't matter and personal experience it's a great place to be and so mm-hmm. yeah i'm going to encourage everybody to want to work towards it because this giving of a hundred percent and the sharing of a hundred percent, it's so freeing. People think that it means that you're losing your independence, but it's not that at all. Like you just get to benefit from dual incomes and from just sharing, and it just doesn't matter. If we got it, we got it, you know?
1: Right. Oh man, Let's talk about the first time that you combine finances and you both have payday on the same day. Like, check that. Account out. It's like, dang, it's awesome when,
0: it's, and especially when your wife makes so much, money. you're like, oh snap, groups. Oh yeah.
1: Uh, oh, that's how much you make. All right, all right, all right. I can get used to this. But oh gosh. So, but anyways, even even with that joke aside, it it's really, I don't paradoxical, funny. However you want to look at this is that when you give more to the relationship with your finances, the more you get out of it, too. Because mm. if I'm not nickeling and diming Rebecca, she's not nickeling and diming me. And, and we
0: both get to live more freely. It's just it's really fun. And um, it's a great place to be when you feel like you can just give so much to the relationship and not worry about those things. It's just the opposite of what people think. It's yeah. not being bound down. It's actually incredibly freeing. And so that's just some motivation there.
1: I do want to take a step back because like as we were just going into this section of like becoming interdependent, you brought up, you know, that there's equal participation in the conversation, equal participation in the goal setting. And I I wanna dive into that a little bit more. It was just quickly said, but yeah. how that's so important that it's not just about the income. It's the direction that you're going to. Like
0: it's having th- a voice. Right. It's yeah. And it's having the seat at the table and Making sure that everybody's concerns are being addressed, their fears are being thought of, their wants, their needs, and having that understanding is so important. The involvement of building the plan together between the two of you, just the equal level of involvement in deciding what are our priorities as a family or as a couple, whatever you refer to yourself as. That's really where it starts is having those conversations together.
1: Yeah, I, you have to build, if you're together in a relationship, then you're you're building a life together. So you can either be very intentional about it or you can just ignore it and split it 50-50 and you can hope something will go well. Or you can realize, all right, right, I've, I've committed to you. Like we're talking to married people here. You've committed. Mm-hmm. And so you can decide I'm going to run my own ball and you're going to run your own ball and we're going to get as far as we can get. Or you can work together and get as far as you can together. And that's just going to, it creates so much equal buy-in and it's no longer about I'm making more money than you and you're making more money than me. And we got to split the check 50, 50, keep coming back to this. Cause I kind of liked what I said earlier is it boils down to, are my needs provided? Am I able to give a little bit? Am I able to have some fun? Am I saving and investing for the future? If, if every one of those is taken care of, it doesn't matter who's doing what, as long as we're doing them and we agree that those are the things that we want.
0: Yeah. Well, and you just get to come together as a team and say, uh, OK, well, how do we support each other in that? And what are the things that need to be done? How can we encourage each other? How can we build a plan that's realistic? Because I think that's where a lot of things really get into play when you don't have the financial equality the equal involvement then you have somebody who's got all these ideas and maybe they're trying to force them on this other person but there's not buy-in because there's not that equal level of involvement and so that's again innately flawed so it's just the the equal involvement is the whole name of the game in my opinion for coming to a relationship with the goal of being interdependent Mm -hmm. Uh, i know the for us, like the past year or more, it's been about having a conscious relationship. And that's really the essence of it is how do we work together? How do we support each other? How do I shore up your weaknesses? Well, I got
1: a great example of that. Clients that worked with me and they were playing the 50-50 game or at least just not combining their finances. And the wife in the relationship had a lot of student loan debt. I won't throw out the number, but you know. Six figures. Yeah, it was big. It was very big. And about two, three months into coaching, the husband decided, you know what, I'm going to take this responsibility on with you. He didn't feel like it was his burden to him. He just, all of a sudden they started working together as a team. Wife lit up, the stress like melted right off her back and the husband was super excited to help her out, you know? And so they started working together. He had, he had a bunch of savings. They just dumped money on it and and they're just killing it together and they decided to work together as a team opposed to it's her student loan debt not his they decided it's our student loan debt and it got like it just helped their relationship out so much and it sounds crazy right like why should i accept your hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of student loan debt why should i do that well I already married you. It's it's there and it's it's going to sit around twice as long, if not longer. It's going to hold do us do both back. Yeah, exactly. If it's holding
0: you back, it is holding me back. Exactly. Even down to the, the type of vacations that I want to take because maybe I do make a lot of money or I don't have the sort of debt that you do or whatever. But because you're burdening that by yourself, you can't afford to go on the vacations that I want to go on. Yeah. Like that happens. That has happened to my clients. And it's just real. And if you can relate to that, like, there is hope. There's just so much hope. And it's just a matter of coming together. We talked about this in the last episode, that one of the best things you can do as a couple is to achieve a goal together. And Mm -hmm. like you're saying, it lit them up to be able to support each other and to get through this really hard thing together. Yeah. And it enriches the relationship 100%. It makes it so that, yeah. We can handle this hard thing. Life's going to throw other hard things at us. So like, let's just get this one out of the way and make it a non-issue and also kind of boost our confidence as a couple and say, yeah, we can handle, we can handle hard. Exactly. We can do that.
1: I mean, after they get done with that, nothing's going to seem like a challenge financially to them. They're just like, the we best. paid off so much in debt and we, we can do anything now. Yeah. Watch out.
0: Yeah. So having an independent relationship, working together with your finances, having that equality of involvement is absolutely critical to your success. We really feel like that is the healthier way of looking at any sort of financial equality in your relationship. That's the only version of financial equality in our relationship. There is no tit for tat, no scorecard. It's just what do we all have together and are we making these deposits into these categories that you talked about? Are my needs met? Am I saving and investing for the future? Am I having some fun doing it and giving along the way? Then life is good. Now let's just enjoy it. And let's not focus on the stuff that just really doesn't matter. Let's just enjoy the time that we get together and and build a life that we love. That's right. That's just like the whole point of it. And any other views of feeling like you have to do things some certain way because society tells you that you need to or it's like the safe bet and it protects you from these fears that you have. Like really encourage you to do the work as a couple to work through those things that are holding you back and keeping you from feeling like you can get to this point in your relationship and build that trust out Mm -hmm. and learn how you can manage money responsibly together as a team and supporting each other in doing that, helping each other to make up for your shortcomings. And so if one person has a spending problem, Okay. Well, then how do you help encourage them? How do you help them to overcome that problem? Well, so I'll that give you, you a hint.
1: Don't shame them for it.
0: Don't, yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly. Don't make them feel bad for it. Support them. Yeah. And don't hold all your your nuts in your corner and say, oh, well, you're terrible with your money. And so I can't possibly share my resources with you because you're just gonna you're just going to spend it all. Yeah. You know, oh well, my sometime- gosh, talk about- Tension and bitterness and terrible toxicity.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there is no healthy role models or no healthy examples of what a good relationship managing money together should look like. And the two of us, we've worked really hard to make this a priority in our lives. And so this is, this is what we really hope that you'll take away from this is that there is a better way of doing it. If it's causing you stress, anxiety, if there's problems, there is a better way to do it.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying about the role modeling. And I really want to do an episode particularly about the money lessons that we learned from our parents. And some people might have had a really healthy role model with that. And money was talked about openly and it was not a negative topic in the household and everybody felt very supported and knowledgeable and all those sorts of things. But that's very rare. The mm-hmm. more common thing is that it was kept very much as a adult issue. It was not discussed. It wasn't a kid problem, and so we didn't get to learn about that.
1: Although we we do learn because we witness because what's we, going on exactly. and we see what's we happening and we observe it. Yep. Yeah,
0: and so so then there's that or again, most commonly, they fought about it. Yeah. And so that's the blueprint most people have. We're here to tell you again like Dylan said that there is a healthy way to manage money in your relationships, your horror stories, the way that parents maybe managed it, the way that you've seen it across the media of financial abuse and all these scary things. That's why you're making these decisions based in fear that's so well-founded. But we're here to tell you that you can absolutely have a healthier relationship with your money in your marriage. And it's an amazing thing. And it really comes down to this new version of financial equality. So
1: yeah, that's really all I have to say. Well, hey, since, you know, Rebecca mentioned it. If you do have a money story that your parents gave you, send us an email and we're going to start collecting some of these stories. So email us. I'm Dylan, D-Y-L-A-N at radcoaches.com. Send us your stories.
0: Your money story about how your parents handled money when you were growing up and how that's impacted you as an adult. And if you've never thought about that, this is going to be a really insightful exercise for you.
1: This is, that's a free coaching question. This is
0: this is a free coaching question right here. This is about to blow your mind, <laughs> and um, if you if it opens a whole can of worms, just give just you know just let us know, and we can set up a coaching call for you, yeah. <laughs> and we can help you work through it. But it is really insightful to see and think about how your parents manage money and how that is impacting the way that you are now managing money inside of your relationship, particularly, but even just on it as an individual as well. Because obviously, you're part of that relationship. Yeah. You're half of that couple. So yeah, please do send us an email. We would love to hear from you. Love to hear your stories. And to be able to use that in future episodes, maybe we can address some of your questions or some of your concerns in the upcoming episodes about our money stories that we get from our parents and how that gets turned into how we use our money in adulthood. Yeah. So that's really great, Dylan. Great idea to have people send that in to get some listener input. But that is all we have today for the topic of financial equality, and thank you so much for listening to this episode.
1: Yeah. If you want to help support this podcast, please like and share this with somebody that you think would appreciate it. Of course, there are other ways to support this podcast by working with us. So one of the ways that you can work with us is actually just taking our budgeting and cash flow course, where we're going to walk through step-by-step how to build a budget we take out all the thinking and it's super easy to put together. Plus, you'll be really efficient and be able to make financial decisions in a snap.
0: The other way is, of course, to work with us. We would love to coach you through your journey to financial freedom. We've done this ourselves. We've done this for so many clients now. And we'd love for you to be one of them. So schedule a discovery call using the link down in the show notes. And we look forward to meeting you and helping you reach your financial goals.
1: So until the next episode, I'm Dylan Pollack.
0: And I'm Rebecca Brooks. And we're red Coaches. coaches.